1: common sense and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard
0: Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. Audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time working out in the yard, I can get caught up in all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com/audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have over 100,000 titles to choose from. You can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com/audible to make your smartphone smarter. Well, I'm so pleased to have my next guests on the show. They're the consummate entrepreneurs. They believe that entrepreneurship is the ultimate path for personal growth, self-discovery, freedom, and it's essential to change the world. I couldn't agree with more. I'm pleased to have on the show Dane Maxwell and Andy Drisch. They are the founders of the Foundation, an online growth academy that teaches folks how to crush limiting beliefs and build software companies. Dane and Andy, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Well, i got to tell you, i was got to give thanks to the Foundation and what you guys have done, and and, um, you probably don't know this, but uh, coming across you guys about a year ago, um, this and a couple of things, and John Lee Dumas has, has been a big help too. But I, I owe a lot of credit for you guys for helping me um, go down the entrepreneurial path, start this podcast. So I owe a lot of thanks to you and the foundation, though I'm not starting a software company. I owe a lot of thanks to what you guys are doing. So first of all, personal thank you to the two of you. Awesome, then. Well, I got to tell you, let's tell a little bit about. Uh, I don't know where you guys want to start. I know that you guys are getting ready to launch the foundation. You're doing a lot of interviews. However, you want to, you know, as much background as you want to give about the foundation. But I really like to get in kind of the mechanics and and uh, the idea of crushing limiting beliefs because I think that's essential to authentic uh, leadership. But go ahead and give us a background information, the story about where you guys, how you've gotten to this point.
3: Go ahead, Dane. Oh. So, background on what exactly, Richard? The Uh, foundation or the many beliefs or what do you want?
0: Yeah, I think the background, just a little bit about the foundation. I mean, I know a lot of people that are in this space. They're familiar with your story. You tell the story a lot. There's umpteen interviews out there with you, but it's whatever you're comfortable with. I'd like to just get a quick synopsis, maybe a cliff notes of how you got to the foundation.
3: Well, how we got to the foundation was... Well, it's actually a pretty fascinating story that's never been told before. Um, so there's a, the, the foundation represents a symbol for me, and it's um, it's like five or six or seven words, and I'll tell you what that symbol means to me and why it's so important and why it drives, drives me personally, and then I'd love to hear uh, Andy's take on it. Um, but before I tell you what the symbol is, I want to tell you the story of how the foundation came to be, and it came to be about... I don't know. Five six years ago, when Andy and I first met in person at a coffee shop, and Andy at the time had just graduated college and he was going to work, and he was like many people, really unfulfilled with his job. And uh, we we met and then formed a friendship uh, over the course of a few years. But that first that first coffee shop meeting was pretty fun, and <laughs> you know, I, I remember I remember teasing Andy about you know, those lead capture forms on websites. <laughs> And I was like, you know, those lead capture forms on websites. Andy's like, yeah, nobody uses those. And I was like, really, <laughs> nobody? Like, nobody puts their email in, and then he kind of stopped to pause, and he's like, oh. And that was kind of the beginning of a of a new world uh, for Andy. And at the time, I was I was such a lonely entrepreneur myself, just working out of my apartment in Des Moines. Nobody I identified with me. And here I had this like angel sent from heaven, known mm. as Andy, like inviting me out for like coffee because he was interested in this and really fast forward like three or four years Andy went through like remarkable transformation uh, all on his own accord and and now is a, a mentor to me and, and many other people and he was such a such so fascinating to watch Andy just balloon like a phoenix that uh, four years later um, I kept building these software companies along the side and i I did the first software roundtable version and then i I really kinda wanted to grow up the business and I figured the best person to uh ask to create this new company with me would be uh, my best friend in life and partner, Andy Drish. Not 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 life
2: partner, but best friend <laughs> in life. <laughs> <Okay. All right. laughs> just to be clear. Um Richard, what was so what was so cool about the entire process, I think, is that uh I would just I would um Dane would just try so many different things and he was always trying ideas and always pushing forward. And, uh, and after he, he taught me this, this framework of like really focusing on the customer and not focusing, you know, I was still lost in kind of the startup world of searching for logos and websites and, you know, worrying about stuff that doesn't matter at the beginning Mm -hmm. and, and watching him go through this process that he was doing, I hadn't seen anyone teaching it anywhere else. And, uh, and eventually I was like, dude, you have to be teaching this stuff to other people. You have to be teaching it. I just kept telling him that, and he never That's would. this
3: part out, Andy.
2: Um, and, uh, and then eventually one day, I, I, I was consuming a lot of content on Mixergy at the time, and, uh, and so I just submitted Dane... <laughs> I just sent the MixerG people an email being like, guys, you have to interview this guy. This is what he's up to. Um, Dane did one interview. It went incredibly well on MixerG. I think one of the top ten interviews on the site at the time. Um, and Andrew had him back again for a second interview. And that's where the whole software roundtable started, which was yeah. the first iteration of the foundation uh, two years ago.
0: You know, I'm interested to hear from you guys. What do you think? Why do you think? And I'll give you my answer after I hear yours. Why do you think it resonates with people so much? Why were people so attracted to uh, what you guys had to say? And, uh, and, and, what, and why has it been kind of so ballooning so so rapidly on, the, on this space?
2: You know, I would say at least half the people that come to us their, their biggest frustration when they're in the startup phase is that they don't know what ideas to pursue. And they're stuck thinking that some brilliant idea is going to strike them in the middle of the night when they're sleeping and they're going to be like, yes, this is what I want to build. And I think one of, one of the cornerstones of the foundation is, is the process that Dane's come up with around idea extraction and how to extract profitable ideas from markets where your customers actually guide you and tell you exactly what to build. So you don't have to think of the ideas.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. I think that and I agree with you. I think that that that's I know that how I came across it. And it was kind of an aha moment for me when I heard that I heard the idea about ideas traction. Let's educate the folks a little bit about that. Because, uh, you know, you have a process of helping people build software companies. But Traditionally, people might think the first thing to do, like you just pointed out, Andy, is to create the product. And and you guys are arguing that that is really the the, the third or fourth thing that we're going to do. Is that right? Idea abstraction is where it all begins. Talk to me about that.
3: Well, the the fourth, we have a we want to redefine how startups start up, and that's kind of like a little catchy catchphrase for like we have this process <laughs> that works really well, and. It's five steps, and the first step is idea extraction. Um, the second step is building a fictional prototype of what it would look like, like not the actual product, but like you know, a, a sales letter, so to speak. We call them info packs. The third step is to sell your product before it exists mm-hmm. ethically uh, to people who are eager to buy it before it exists so they can be one of the first people with it. And then step four is to use that money to fund the product. Step five is then, of course, scaling to you know six figures, seven figures, whatever you want to do, however big you want to be. But the step four of building the product—that's where most entrepreneurs start. And so, when we say we want to redefine our startup, startup, we want to we want to take a step back. And even in the Lean Startup method by Eric Ries, he says pick an idea and then pivot. And so we're even one step before the Lean Startup, which talks about actually the idea generation process. But I think what's What's, uh seems to be – it's always been very straightforward to me to do this. I've just been doing it my whole life but like, it's like revolutionary to other people and it's the it's process of idea extraction. So you, you'd think that when you're starting a business that you need to get an idea but really what you need to do is focus on finding pain. Mm-hmm. So, so if you just make your, make your business idea generation process about finding pain instead of thinking for, of ideas, then you'll have all the, all the business ideas you could ever handle.
0: Yeah, and I think what's brilliant about that, too, is that it, it translates to so many things. And, and obviously, we're talking about starting a, a software company, starting a business. But to me, I even go a little bit deeper. I'm curious to see what you guys think. To me, the whole idea of extraction process or even the process that you're going through is essential almost to uh relationships and leadership in general, in my in my opinion. And I think that's why it's resonating with so many people. I know it is for me anyway, because it's like, well yeah, this intuitively makes sense. If I'm gonna sit down and before I create anything for you, I'm gonna get to know you and I'm gonna find out what is truly your most um deepest pain and I'm gonna try to solve it for you. Am I am I on the mark on any of this?
3: Especially with the um how it impacts uh relationships and and leadership. Now, what was kind of – what was really kind of a hard conversation that Andy and I had a while ago um, was that Andy had told me that, you know, I – Andy noticed a pattern in me. Like I'm like an idea extraction master on strangers. Like when I first meet a stranger, like I just naturally just rip them apart with questions. But to my good friends, I wasn't actually doing it. Mm. And so like I was kind of like – I was applying – Idea extraction is really just thought of as finding the pain or like just getting a deep understanding of what that person's experience is without any attachment to how you think it should be. Right. And that second part is where a lot of entrepreneurs really get screwed up. And uh, I think the the more flexibility in in the idea extraction process really makes a big difference. That definitely applies to leadership, I, 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 what keeps keep popping up in my head right now is intimate relationships is where mm-hmm. it really shines. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and I think that's one, you know, if, if you watch like the last lecture with Randy Posh, um, he talks about this idea of head fakes, where, so sports in high school, students think that they're playing sports to play sports, but really what they're learning is leadership and work ethic and all these different things. And, and we have a little bit of that in the foundation. People come in thinking uh, that, you know, they want to build a software business. But really, what they are giving them is a framework to really become the type of person they need to be to build a business.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, So it's, it's much deeper than just the strategies and tactics.
3: Yeah. yeah, we're just we're positioned in software because we know that's a great positioning statement. This thing works to launch any company anywhere on the planet. We want to bring this thing to India. We want to bring it to the schools in Malaysia. And this could be applied to build uh, any product really in the world. We just know that software is the way to do it. And I remember saying that I, the foundation for me represents a symbol. that's like five, six, or seven words. I never got around to saying that. But I think the reason the foundation resonates is because it's like one of the few companies in the world that says yes – you can have everything that you want, and we'll show you how to do it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that I agree with you. And I think that uh, the resonation, it, 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 uh, oh, you know, and I think we all start out kind of you know, looking for the entrepreneurial dream and the financial freedom because we're, and we're looking for, uh, I don't know if it's a quick fix, we don't know what we're doing, and there's so much trash out there on the internet. And I think why, uh, for me anyway, when I, I heard what you're saying, it resonated because it called for a, um, a higher purpose something that was bigger than yourselves and I know it's about and I agree with you it's bigger than software am I getting too heady with this or or am I on mark you think this is great you know I one thing I appreciate you guys and I've never heard um, you really say it formally is I think that I think a lot of people are drawn to you too because of uh, your courageous authenticity and uh, your vulnerability And uh, take it for even what you're trying to do now with uh, the the campaign. You're trying to bring people in kind of behind the scenes, if you will, to show how um, you do your marketing, how you do your SEO, how you do that. And I think that's brilliant. Um, Tell me a little bit about that and the thought process behind that.
2: Richard, I think the biggest breakthroughs happen for people when they see somebody one step ahead of them. So so the reason meeting Dane was so impactful to me is because when we met, Dane was – it was making what Dane like 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year with recruiting websites, according to the IRS. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, but but I was at that point where it was just like that level that was just a little bit farther, and he was somebody that I could totally relate to. So, so the reason for example that we launched the, the podcast recently, starting from nothing, is because a lot of uh, a lot of I don't know. Interview shows are profiling really, really successful entrepreneurs, but they don't get down to the nitty gritty. So, if you're making say a thousand dollars a month, you shouldn't be studying somebody who's building a multi million dollar business. You should be studying somebody who's making $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month. And that's where the biggest breakthroughs are really going to happen. And so with the behind the scenes product, we wanted to invite people who you know, have some experience with marketing to just show them exactly what it is that we're doing so that, that we can all learn from it together.
0: Well, it's got to be fun tell me some you know Sam ovens is probably the, the the classic case that that gets everybody excited, and you've just finished up you're getting ready to start a, a new class. Give me some other uh stories that have just are so exciting in uh and uh, like Sam ovens
3: I think um you know once you understand the courageous authenticity and vulnerability and you actually understand that being vulnerable and authentic. Makes you more irresistible and attractive. Mm. uh, It it becomes like in your best interest to do. Yeah. So I haven't got some days. I haven't got the foggiest clue what I'm doing. And you know, I wake up and I I feel dumber than I did today than I did when I was like 22. And some days i feel smart and sometimes i just and some days i feel like a wreck and i just can't work and other days like i'm totally on and i don't follow some proven system to be productive every day you know i just kind of wake up and do my best and and that's just kind of like my experience and when i start talking more about that uh, i notice that that just not only does it feel better it's maybe scary initially but it feels better but the students in our program, like the Sam Ovenses, can be more successful because when you're inside the foundation, you get to see you get to see the reality of starting a business, which is it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think of a, a very specific story inside the first foundation program where. Uh, a guy quit the foundation. The first, the first off a round table because he's like, "This is the most unorganized piece of crap program ever," and I don't blame <laughs> it. It was all in Dropbox and in HipChat, and I just kind of showed up when I wanted. Hey, I was running a lifestyle business. You want to learn from me? You want to learn from me on my terms? Uh-huh. Now we don't do that in this foundation. It's much more like Andy's really raining the chains down on me, so that I have to be, you know, responsible and things like that. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But the first foundation. AKA Software Roundtable, this member quit. And I was pissed. And so I emailed him, I was like, good, I'm glad you're gone. And I sent it. And um, then I showed the whole group in HipChat, like during a call, I was like, here's what I sent to the guy. And then um, the room was just silent, and I was like, oh shit, I really screwed this up. Um, So. I said, oh, my gosh, you guys, I should probably apologize to him. So I I wrote an apology, and I said, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm actually not glad you left. That was me being angry and defensive. The truth is I'm actually really sad that you left, and I totally understand why. Um, I hope I didn't burn any bridges. And then I sent that back. And, you know, we can all kind of – I hope we all can relate to – well, if you can't, whatever. But, like, I I get angry sometimes, and I fire off emails I shouldn't. Sure. Um, And – and anyway, in that email, what I said one little thing was, you know I think that guy was just having a really bad day when he quit, and so was I and just me saying that unlocked a guy named Paul Boschman who's, who's going on to like start all these little weird businesses that are outside of software now um, but he said as soon as he realized that the person being angry at him is more about that person and more than, than himself, that unlocked himself to be able to start uh, start like breaking out of being a chemical engineer at his job. So my example of courageous authenticity or vulnerability, if you will, is just me show like when you join the foundation, you get to see how much I screw up. And then once you see that, it kind of liberates you and you're like, Oh man, I can go screw up too.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think along that line too, is the community becomes that way. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes the culture of the people who are there. And so yeah, I think one of the hardest things about starting a company is that you just feel so lonely. You feel like there's nobody there going through it with you. And now when you have a group of people that you can be like, guys, I'm having an awful day today. Like, what do you guys do when you're in this experience? It it shifts everything because pretty much all growth that really happens, all growth happens in relationship at some point. Yep relationship to friends or relationship to information or whatever it is. But all growth happens in relationships. And so having a community to support you is important.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the loneliness piece. I guess you know, I've talked with John Lee about this you know, behind the scenes, especially when starting out. And sometimes you just feel like, I don't even know what to do and, and getting stuck. And I think that, uh, again, another reason why I think it resonates because you talk a lot about What do you do when you're stuck? And the community certainly helps with that. Is there anything else that can help people kind of get? I just, you know, I I can't tell you how many times I've said, I just don't know what to do next. And it's almost like you panic because I got, "Ah, I got to do something. And um, sometimes I don't know if it's better to just kind of breathe and relax and kind of focus a little bit or keep the action going. What's your thoughts on that?
3: Well, Andy and I don't know what to do next. Yeah, that's why. That's why we. That's why we pay a really amazing project manager. <laughs> and that's why you should join the foundation to pay us to tell you what to do next. Right. Because it just helps when you have a coach. Michael Jordan has a coach. The best people in the world have coaches. Right. Um, and I want to touch on like like three quick examples. You said successful students this last. year. Hey, Our, hey Dan, real real quick. Yeah. Uh, just,
2: on on the coaching piece, the reason it's so important to have a coach is because we all have these patterns in our lives that keep coming up over and over again, but they're they're like blind spots; they're hidden from us, and so we can't see what the patterns are. All we know is like we see this. Is, somebody give me the analogy. Once is if you imagine the tide flowing in and out, and you feel like the tide's going back, and then it goes forward, and it gets to this point where there's like one little rock pebble. And it keeps going back and forth, and then it gets this one little rock pebble over and over. And people see the one little rock pebble and think that's the issue. But mm. that's not actually what the issue is. It's something else that's much, much deeper going on. And so the importance of having a coach is to have somebody to spot what those patterns are in your life because, because you're unable to. I, like, uh,
0: I like that.
3: I, I, the, the people are stuck um, – I don't actually want to mention the three examples. So I think that we'll have more fun talking about this. So, thank you for stopping me there, Andy. The, what I want to talk about for a second is being stuck. And, you know, we call them limiting beliefs, but really what they are, it, I think they start out, or when, they're, well, when you're not aware of them, they're called blocks. They're like mental blockages. And by very definition of the mental word, mental block, it's a block because you can't see it. And it's a block because you'll be very difficult to see it. And just a few minutes with Andy or I and just a few questions, we can dig up just about anybody's blocks pretty quick. And a lot of times when students are having trouble on their idea extraction phone calls, they'll send me a a call recording and I'll listen to them conducting their call. And like I can pick out like in the first five minutes glaringly obvious things that they're like, oh my gosh, I was completely unaware that I was doing that. And then we dig in, and there's some sort of really, most of the time, the limiting beliefs are that they're too nervous to ask questions because they're too afraid to be pushy. Right. Or, or, for example, they're afraid the other person on the phone is way more important than them. So, why would they ever listen to them? So, um, we actually, you know, you kind of talked about crushing limiting beliefs at the beginning. And the reason that we got into limiting beliefs is because Andy and I both have a, a relentless, uh, insatiable appetite for the truth and when we were delivering content and people were coming back we were delivering the tactics people would come back to us and they wouldn't know what to do like they would have trouble implementing the tactics and so we'd give them different tactics they get stuck we'd give them a different set of tactics they get stuck frustratingly like the fourth or fifth time we give them different tactics they get stuck and we're like what's going on and so once we actually watched them implement the tactic, we saw all these limiting beliefs come up. And that's when we realized – and that's one of the biggest AHAs members have in the program is any time a problem comes up, it's usually some deeply held block or mindset issue, usually in the form of a limiting belief. Five to ten percent of the time, it's a tactical issue. Yeah. And, and so what happens if people don't see
2: these, what they'll do is they'll buy one course – and they'll try and go through it. And then there's like one thing that's holding them back, and they'll be like, oh, the course didn't work. So they buy a different course and they go and buy a different one. Um, but ultimately, like, it's just a deeper issue that's not being addressed.
0: What are mm. some of the uh, tried and true entrepreneurs, uh, some of them that we, we've all looked up to, what have they said about what you're
3: doing? That they like it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I can <laughs> imagine they would. I just, you know, but some of them, I guess for me, I guess where I was going with that question was, is that. Um, there seems to be, or there seems to have been, maybe twenty years ago, this kind of perception of entrepreneurship. You seem to be shifting the paradigm a little bit, and I don't know if that's cliche or not, but it seems like it's it's shifting a little bit because of, I guess, because of the authenticity. Because typically, we wouldn't see when we look at entrepreneurs, we wouldn't see the authenticity piece. Really, you'd you'd see almost like a type A. Hey, look at this! Uh, look how you know aggressive and ex- exploitative of the market I can be, you know, and I'm taking risks and it, it it seems different to me
3: what are you saying
0: i i don't know i guess for what i'm uh, what i'm trying to say is that it seems like you've tapped into i think and goes back to why it's resonating so much is because of the authenticity piece i don't i can't name any other entrepreneur i guess in some of the bigger names that have latched on to the behind the scenes authentic piece as well as you have and if if there are i guess that's are there others i guess
3: I don't know why they don't, but they're really missing out because it's a lot more fun to play this way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are definitely on to something. What, tell me, in the short time, I know you got a phone call you get to. How can people learn more about what you're doing and how they can apply for the next foundation?
2: Best way to check it out is just go to Um, We've got uh, – there's a – 10 minute video on there that's absolutely incredible that'll tell you tell you about the most important word in business and how that applies and then last year we we spent a lot of time crafting pretty much what could be considered to be an online course uh but we gave it away there are four or five training videos uh talking about the secret language of millionaires and how to develop your marketing mindset dane takes you on a tour between behind the scenes so so we'd you know, we mentioned about being very open and real. You go behind the scenes of his uh, half million dollar software business and he shows you all the numbers, the sign-up rates, the conversion rates, like everything. It's an incredible video and a couple other ones. So all that's just at com.
0: And then he, you mentioned it too, but uh, you've just launched the podcast a uh, month and a half ago or so and, t- and give a quick little plug out for that.
2: Yeah, the podcast has been incredible. We, uh, we launched it in June, and within the first week, we hit number one in business, and since then, we've been pretty much in the top five, sometimes the top ten, and the, like we said, the, it's called starting from nothing, and the, the reason it's becoming so popular is because we tend to profile people who aren't as successful, so we just did an interview with a guy who's making about $3,000 a month, he, uh, so he thought... He would have signed up for the foundation last year, but he thought it was in person. He didn't realize it was a virtual thing right. that people can join from all over the world. But he used those video, those training videos that we put out last year for free, um, and he used the principles of those to shift from doing a service-based business to running a software startup. And they're just at, you know, they launched in February, and they're at about $3,000 a month in revenue right now. It's a really cool story.
0: Awesome. Guys, I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show. It means a lot to me. I've been meaning to want to talk to you for a long time. Um, thanks for coming on the show.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having us.
1: All right. has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.